am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Good morning, Friendship Church. I am so excited, looking forward to our series for the next several weeks, the I Am Statements of Jesus. Uh, There are seven I Am Statements in the book of John, and now there are several I Am, God says I Am several times throughout the Word. What I'm focusing on is the seven times that Jesus says it in the book of John. And, oh, that's the Rebuses are here. Okay, hey, how you doing? I got to preach good this morning. Okay, here we go. Seven I am statements. Um, listen, when, when someone tells you who they are, believe them, okay? And so we are going to go through these seven I am statements, and I'm so excited to be able to share this with you. Uh, we're starting off, first of all, with the bread of life. So before we get in there, let me tell you about James Johnson. James Johnson, born in 1967 in Fort Worth, Texas, still lives there today with his wife, Tina. He graduated from Dunbar High School. They attend church at Cooper Street Missionary Baptist Church, and he was a volu- he's a, one of the high volunteers there uh, at the church, and they, they just had, he was one of the main volunteers at their turkey giveaway that they had last Thanksgiving, so he's very involved in his church. He has one son, also named James. And he serves in the military, and James could not be more proud of his son, James. Uh, He has, uh, James enjoys custom classic cars, he enjoys seafood and traveling, and his beloved Dallas Cowboys. I don't know if, uh, James believes in his heart that uh, you can fool people with words for a while, but who you are on the inside will ultimately show on the outside Character matters. This is one of the main beliefs that, that James has. And so you may ask yourself, well, who is James Johnson? And the answer is, I don't know. No idea. Um, I went, on, uh, went to Google, and I Googled uh, what is the most common male name in America, and the answer was James Johnson. And so I just went to Facebook and found a random James Johnson, and I just introduced him here to you today. And so that's James Johnson, in case you wanted to know. Um, wouldn't it be weird if somehow he heard this and, like, listened? <laughs> and, uh, you know, or, oh, hey, I, I graduated from Dunbar High School. You know, I don't know. Uh, that is an example of knowing about someone but not knowing someone. We 
just found out some information about James Johnson. But who is James Johnson? No idea. We know some things about him, but we don't, I don't know him. Maybe you know him. Maybe you're like, hey, I know that guy. I have no idea. And so there's a difference in knowing about someone and knowing someone, and that certainly uh, is Jesus as well. You can know about Jesus. Everyone in this room can have their favorite miracle that he did, or you know uh, some of the things that he said. Maybe even you've prayed to him before. Maybe you uh, have even worshipped uh, here earlier here today, and you worshipped him. You sang some songs to him. And so you know some things about Jesus, but do you know Jesus? There's a difference in knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus. And so I'm going to challenge us over the next several weeks to know Jesus. And I'm not just talking about those who have just been coming a couple of months. I'm talking about those who have been Christian for 40, 50 years of their life. Do you know Jesus? I'm not asking, do you like church? Do you like being a part of a body of believers? Uh, That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying, do you know Jesus? Because if you know Jesus, then you know that he moves you from your spot sometimes. How of you know that? That there's, there's a way, there's some things that you like to do, there's some things that you want to believe, and then he moves you from that spot from time to time the more you get to know him. And so I, I don't want to know stats about Jesus. I want to know Jesus. There was a time before you married your significant other, you knew some things about them. You knew how tall they were. You knew how old they were. You knew where they worked. You knew where they went to school. Whatever. You knew some stats. But at some point, you said, I want to spend the rest of my life with you. And you start learning more and more about them, right? Like you didn't know they were a snorer before you got married, okay? You didn't know that. That came out later, okay? That wasn't on like the application. Uh, and so, but aren't you thankful that, that you've got to the point where now you know your significant other? And I don't know about you, but I'm learning more and more stuff about Becky all the time. She's learned some stuff about me as well. Um, but we know that. I want us to know Jesus, not just know stuff about Jesus. Who's with me on that, okay? I want to know Jesus. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to John chapter 6. That's what the, the, the overall, uh, when we go through these I am statements, we are learning about Jesus, but we're going to learn who he is. So in John chapter 6 is where we're going to camp out all day today, except for this one verse. We're going to start with one verse in Exodus. You don't have to turn there. But John chapter 6 is where we're going to be. Exodus uh, chapter 16, there's a, a crazy story that sometimes we you know, we know, but we gloss over a little bit. The Israelites have uh, fleed Egypt, and, and they're walking around in the desert. I've never been in the desert. I don't know what's there. I know there's sand and there's wind. That's about it. And, and so they're walking around in the desert. And they begin to get hungry, and they begin to complain, okay? Complain that they don't have any food, they don't have any water, all this stuff. And so they go to Moses, and they say, it would have been better off for us to stay in Egypt. We had food, better off as slaves. I have no idea what what they're thinking, but that's what they, and they complain to Moses. So then, verse 4 in Exodus 16, Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are going to go out each day, gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and see whether they will follow my instructions. Like, we know that story, but can we go back to our childlike awe of God again and go, he rained down bread from heaven? And not to all the good people, to all the complainers. Like, he answered the complainers. 
And they said, okay, I'll rain down bread. When you wake up in the morning, there's going to be just, you know, Texas Roadhouse rolls on the ground. Hallelujah. Okay? And they're just there, and you pick them up and you eat them, and it's great. And he says, but he, did, he does this to test them, though. He says, just get what your family needs that day. And then the day before the Sabbath, you get for this day and the next day. Read the whole chapter. It's great. But I find it striking that he blesses and he answers the complainers. And he basically buys them dinner for the day. Okay? Now, fast forward. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Verse 5. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he, ha- he already had in mind what he was going to do. So we've got two verses that we've said already, and both times God is testing him. A test of God is not a bad thing. We typically don't like tests from God because it moves us from our spot, like I said. We don't like tests from God. God, where are you? And God's like, I'm right here. I'm testing you sometimes. But we don't, we don't like that test. But I can promise you, tests of God are greatly beneficial to you. Why? Because tests are not uh, given so that God can know where you're at. Tests are given so that you can know where you're at. So when he tests you, faith is a theory until it's tested, Okay? We all say we have faith in God. Well, from time to time, a test is coming. And that faith is going to be put to the test. And we'll be able to see exactly where we are at. Verse 7, Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? You're always going to have people in your life that have problems and people that have solutions. You can choose which one you hang out with, okay? <laughs> okay. Jesus brought them along. They brought both along here, okay? But just know that you're always going to have both people in your life, okay? So gravitate to one who has the solutions. Verse 10, Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. There were more women and children. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. So here is Jesus in in, in back-to-back stories here. When we read the Bible, and and for those of you who are just now reading the Bible, you're trying to figure out how to read the Bible, read the Bible and then ask yourself, what did I just learn about Jesus? Okay, What did I just learn about Jesus? We just learned in two stories here that Jesus cares and loves enough about us to make sure that we have dinner. Simple, small thing like that, he cares about. So much so that he's either going to rain down bread from heaven or he's going to take a Lunchable and he's going to multiply it so that 5,000 people can eat. He cares about you and the little things. And if he cares about you in the little things, he cares about you in the big things as well. Verse 12, when they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that were left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them, filled 12 
baskets with pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. I know you've heard this story before, but that childlike awedness of what Jesus just did is amazing. And we can't forget that. That he loved us so much that he made sure we had dinner. He made sure that they had something to eat. And not just something to eat, everyone had their fill and there were 12 baskets left over. There's significance in all of that we're not going to go into today. But he cares enough for the small things that he's going to bless us with dinner. Let's skip just a few verses, which by the way, those few verses are Jesus walking on the water, so it's, it's, a, it's a big miracle as well. But the people are wondering what happened, because all the disciples left on their boats, and Jesus did not leave with them, but yet somehow he made it up on the other side of the lake, and so they're, they're confused about how that happened. So verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you were looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. So they're wondering how he got across the lake. They didn't see the walking on the water. But he says, you're looking for me now because you ate the loaves and and had your fill. Many times we treat God like, or Jesus like, a magician. Like, don't you just like wave your hand or something and then everything works out for us? And that's how these people treated them at times. And that's how sometimes we treat Jesus as well. He's either a magician or he's Santa Claus. And he just kind of gives us stuff. And he's supposed to give us stuff. You know, if you love this, you give us stuff or you wave your magic hand. And we sometimes treat him like this. And that's the way that he's, that he's being treated right now. You ate the loaves and had your fill and you want more. Verse 27, do not work for food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Okay, so this is, a, this is a pivotal verse here. Because up until now, even the, the manna story earlier, and now we're talking about physical food. We're talking about physical bread. There, there are, we have physical needs, all of us. At some point, we've got to eat today. At some point, we've got to go to sleep tonight. We have physical needs that we as human beings have. God cares about those physical needs. He sustains us, he, he fills us, he, he is there for us in our day-to-day physical needs as we have already shown or been shown through the word. Now Jesus pivots and he goes somewhere else. He goes, okay, we've been talking about physical bread, but now we're talking about something bigger than this. We're talking about something more than this. We're talking about something bread that will last us and send us into eternal life, Okay. So he's changing it. So everyone stop thinking about bread right now. Now that I've said that, you can't. But, you know, stop, stop think, thinking about bread because now Jesus is talking about something completely different. Verse 28, then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. So they called back to Exodus. Everybody knows the stories. They know the stories of the Old Testament, okay? They know it. And so they says, okay, so back then, God rained down bread to heaven. What are you going to do? 
What's the magic that you're going to perform for us? What's the sign? We want to see it. We want to see you do something. Verse 32, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. He's talking about bread up here. They're talking about, oh, okay, I'll have a slice. This is similar to the woman at the well a couple of chapters earlier. Well, yeah, give me this water so I don't have to come back to this well and keep fishing up this. No, no, no. He's not talking about physical water, physical bread. He's talking about the springs that well up inside of us, this life-giving water to that woman, and then this life-giving bread that he offers and that only he offers. He's not talking about a physical bread. He's talking about a bread that lasts for eternity. And if you eat of this bread, then you never have to hunger and thirst for anything else on a spiritual level again. Verse 35, then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. What a statement. Now, we have heard this story before. This is the first time that they have heard this. They've never heard anything like this before. They know about the manna. They just saw the miracle of 5,000 people. They've not seen anything like this, and they certainly have not heard anything like this. Not, I know where to get some bread that is life-giving. He says, I am the bread of life. When you come to me, you will never hunger, you will never thirst. I am that bread of life. Again, he's talking about spiritual problems, and all of us, every single one of us who have ever lived, have had a spiritual problem. We've got a spiritual problem. There is a disconnect between us and God the Father, and Jesus is the one who has come and connected us. That's what Jesus has done for us. And that is a spiritual thing. There's nothing physical that you can do to make up for this, okay? With physical problems come physical solutions. But with spiritual problems come spiritual solutions. If you have a spiritual problem, then you can't do it with physical things. There is a spiritual solution that has to come in your life, okay? What happens is we have spiritual problems and we try to fix them physically. We have a spiritual problem of loneliness. So what do we do? What do we do? We sign up for another Instagram account. We need more friends on social media. And if I, have, if I get my friend total up, if I get my likes up, then I won't feel lonely. <laughs> Nice try. That's a spiritual problem that you're trying to fix physically. And you can't do it. The statistics are out there that people today, especially younger people today, they feel lonelier than any other time in history. But yet we have access to everyone all over the world. I can right now pick up a phone and I can FaceTime 
with missionaries all over the world. But yet we're lonely. Why? Because we're trying to attack spiritual problems with physical solutions. We do it all the time. We have sin in our life. We commit a sin. We feel bad. So we feel like we have to do something to make up for it. I feel so bad for that sin that I did. You know what? I'm going to men's breakfast this weekend. That should do something. You know, I'm going to church. You know what? I'm going to give a little bit extra in the tithe, you know, this week. I feel bad. I'm going to give just a little bit extra there, okay? I'm going to serve in the nursery or something. I've got to do something. I feel bad about this sin. Listen, there's nothing wrong with coming to men's breakfast. Nothing wrong with putting a little extra on the offering plate. <laughs> nothing wrong with serving. But I'm here to tell you, doing those things will do nothing to cover up spiritual sin. Nothing. Physical solutions have nothing to do with spiritual problems. And we try to do it all the time. And so Jesus says, I'm the bread of life, come to me. And then they say, yeah, give us a piece of that bread. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something spiritual, verse 36. But as I told you, you have seen me and still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of the one who sent me. He said, whoever comes to me can eat this bread. Whoever. And I've come down to do the will of my Father. What's the will of my Father? Verse 39. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone, everybody say everyone. Everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. And I will raise Him up at the last day. There's not like some special club that you get to get in. You get a stamp of approval. Everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. This is the bread that He has to offer. And He offers it to everyone. Which was new back then. Because the Gentiles were over there. When you mean everyone, you mean like us, right? No, what is everyone? Everyone means, yeah, you mean, but them too. Everyone. Everyone means everyone. And I will raise them up on the last day. Skip just a couple of verses because he kind of repeats himself here. Skip to verse 47. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. He says, I am the bread of life. You come to me, you will never hunger, you will never thirst. Do you have hungers and thirsts? We all do. We all are hungry for something. We're all thirsty for something. We all want something out there, whatever that is, in our family, in our job. We want more money. We all want something. We all have thirsts in our lives. Look at the world events today that we prayed about earlier. There is a hunger and a thirst for more power, for more land, for more respect, for more control. There is a hunger and a thirst that is out there. But you say, hold on, hold on. Okay, I'm, I, you know, I'm not that bad. I'm not like some sort of dictator king who's trying to like take over parts of the world. You know, that's, that's them over here. I'm just over here. That's not me. Let me tell you something. Every road leads somewhere. 
Every road leads somewhere. Some are farther along on that road, but every road leads somewhere. Every single one. There is a destination at the end of every road that you can take. And if you don't like the destination of where that road takes you, then why even start walking down that way? Okay? If, if, if you are not wanting to go to Dallas, then don't start walking north because you're going to get there. Okay? If you do not want to get to the destination, then why even start walking down that road? Where does the life of selfishness lead? I'm not talking about the first couple of steps. I'm talking about the end product, the destination. Where does the life of selfishness lead? Well, it starts off pretty good because you get good stuff. If you're selfish, you get to keep your stuff. But where does it lead? It leads to loneliness because no one wants to be with you who's selfish. Where does the life of greed lead? Well, it starts off pretty good because you get a little bit more money than everybody else. But where does it lead? It leads to a mound of material things that will not love you back. Where does the life of sexual lust lead? Well, temporarily, at the beginning, it's pretty good. But where does it lead? It leads to a broken relationship with your husband or your wife because what if she can't or he can't satisfy? Is that the destination that you want? Then why walk down that road? Where does the life of apathy lead? Well, pretty good because, you know, you just focus on entertainment. Where does it lead, though? It leads to a worthless life with nothing to show for it. I'll serve the Lord tomorrow. Let me tell you something. Down that road, tomorrow never comes. Tomorrow is not on that road or destination. But people get on that road all the time. Tomorrow I'll make up for it. So where does the life of bread from Jesus lead? Ironically, temporarily, it starts with sacrifice. It starts with a little rocky. We've got to start sacrifice. We've got to give up this. We're not going to do that. But where does the life of the bread of life lead to? What's the destination? It leads to peace and direction while on this earth and eternal life with a loving God on the other side. What road do you want to walk down? So you can say, well, I'm not as selfish, or I'm not as greedy, or I'm not as whatever. Well, they're just further down the road than you. Keep going where you're going. You'll get there. You'll get there. Verse 49, your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. <laughs> That's physical bread. They ate the manna. They're not you see anybody? You see Moses? Joshua? Caleb? Nobody. They died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. If you want life, eternal life, that is sustaining life while you're here on earth, the physicalness of a meal and your day-to-day needs, God says, I got you. Jesus says, I got you. But also, there's an eternal life that's coming up, and the only way to get there is through me, is through the bread that I am. Not just have, but through the bread that I am. Then the Jews began to argue sharply amongst themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? 
Jesus said to them, Verily, truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Again, they're thinking physically. Jesus is up here talking. They're down here listening. Come, come up here, okay? Come up here to what I'm talking about. When you eat my flesh, when you drink my blood, which is the opening steps to what we call communion today, then you will receive this life. But if you don't, you will have no life in you. Skip a few verses to verse 60. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The word that Jesus has for us sometimes does not hit our ears right. It messes with our expectations. We have this magician God, or, or the Santa Claus God, or, the, or the, the love and peace God, the wrath God, that's another one. The, the, the peace God, that's who, what we've done is we've created an idol, because that's not God. And so he'll say things that it's sometimes hard for us to hear. Sacrifice. We love sermons on love and joy and peace. Sacrifice, let me know when you're preaching there, because we'll be out fishing, you know? Sacrifice, that's not the good one. That's not, that's not the one that I want to hear. Hmm. Verse 63, the Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. Absolutely, the Father draws us. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Again, we like the love and joy and the peace sermons. We don't like the sacrifice sermons. But I'd, I'd, I'd be an awful pastor if I just told you, hey, just come to church and you'll be good. Just, you know, just, you know, just come just, when you can, you know, calendars fill up, I understand. So just when you can come, sing and, and clap, you know, don't fight with your neighbor, you know, okay. Get, you know, quiet your kids down, they're a little, but, but you're good. As long as you come every now and again, you, you should be good. <laughs> what an, an awful preacher that would be. <laughs> You, you deserve the truth. And the truth is that when you <clears throat> accept Jesus, you sacrifice 100% of your life. And I'm not sugarcoating that. 100%. But we try to hold on to something. God, I, I give you my Sundays and I'll give you my family, my finances, that's my deal, okay? I'm the one that got this job, I'll, I'll figure that out. God, you know, I need your help on my finances or whatever, but I'm going to raise the kids the way that I want to raise the kids, okay? They're, you know, they're my kids. 
there's a holding back of, of some sort. We just don't want to give that 100% of allegiance. And that's what, that's what these people, they say, what a hard teaching. Who can accept, who can accept this? And I'm, I'm here to tell you, um, a, accepting some sort of Jesus or some sort of gospel where you don't have to give everything, that does not create disciples, and it certainly does not create soldiers for the army of God. And we are soldiers in the army of God. Sorry to be the one to tell you this. Actually, I'm not, actually. So, get the visual here. Several people, they just got fed 5,000 with a Lunchable. Get the visual here. There's, everybody is looking. Everybody's here. They're listening to Jesus. And people start turning and walking away. Get, get the visual of people in this room and like two-thirds of the people just getting up. I don't like that guy and like walk out. Like, get this visual for a second. People are literally leaving him. No thanks. I, 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 the bread you made earlier was great. But this stuff, no. This visual of people just walking away. And then Jesus turns to his disciples. Verse 67. And he says, you do not want to leave too, do you? He kind of gives them an out. It, it, you know? They're leaving. If you want to go, I, I can't stop you. We have to ask ourselves this constantly. Are we going to sacrifice? Are we going to do what God has asked us to do and take the bread of life? Peter gives one of the best answers in the Bible. Jesus says, you're not going to leave too, are you? Peter says, verse 68, answer them, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. They said, I don't know things about you. I know who you are. You are the Son of God. Where else? Who else would we go to? What other strategy is there? You are God's only son. You have the life of life. We're not going anywhere. That's the, that is eating from the bread of life. Listen, if you don't live for Jesus, you will live for something else. You will. Whether it's yourself, whether it's some other thing, whether it's some other whatever it is. But if you don't live for Jesus, you will live for something else. Will that something else be enough in the end? And will that something else die for you? The answer is no. Jesus Christ sustains us in this life and sustains us moving into the next one. He is enough in the end. And He is the one who has died for you. I'm going to go into a time of prayer. If you would, bow your heads and close your eyes. <clears throat> Our worship team is going to be coming forward. I'm going to open up these altars for us. We've known a little bit about Jesus here today. But I want us to know Him. Paul says, in the power of His resurrection, I want to know Him. Just like Peter said, we have come to know exactly who you are.
exactly who you are. You are the bread of life. You are the bread of life. And so I want to ask here today, you're here in the room or maybe you're watching online as well, you need to give your heart to Jesus Christ. And just plain and simple, you've been thinking about it, you've been toying around with it, maybe you did a long time ago when you were a kid and, and, and you've just you've wandered in here today or you're watching online and you're like, you know what, I've I, I got to come back. I, I've tried, I've literally tried everything else. And everything else, I get hungry the next day. But Jesus is the bread of life. And so you're here today, and I'm going to open up these altars here in just a second. I want you to come out, and I want you to pray and, and move closer to the Lord. Or you're here today, secondly, and you say, I'm a Christian, I love the Lord, but i got to be honest with you, I do sometimes try to back off of that 100% mark. I do hold on to this, and, and I eat what I think is the bread of life for most of my stuff, but not for everything. And you say, I need to come, and I need to make it right, and I need to give him 100%. Now, here's the deal that I wanted to talk about with altars. The altar of God is important to me, and I can think back to many times in my life where I've come down and cried, given my heart to the Lord, given what was, whatever it was between me and the Lord, and I've given it to Him, and I can tell you, I've... <clears throat> Jesus has changed my life many times by coming down to the altar. So if you're here and you're like, boy, I don't know if I want to go down to the altar, what are people going to think? Listen, sometimes we think, or let me just tell you this, I do not think, wow, I wonder what that person did. Let me tell you what I think when someone comes to the altar. I think that person is rapidly moving closer to Jesus. That's what I think. So amen. Praise God. That person is rapidly moving closer to Jesus, finding out more and more exactly who Jesus is, and they want more. That's what that means. So when I open up these altars, there is no fear, there is no condemnation, there is no anything about this. All this is, is rapidly moving closer to Jesus, and you say, that's me, that's what I got to do. So can we stand this morning, uh, and let me pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for bring, being the bread of life. Sustains us in this life. Lord, you, you care about our day-to-day dinner plans, God. But Lord, you don't stop there. You're not like this physical bread that's here. God, you extend into eternity. So God, help us. Help us to look to you as the bread of life. For those who are here today, they need to give their life to Jesus Christ. I pray that they would make that step and come forward. And for those who are here today and they say, I I need to partake of the bread of life, I I, I hold back, I don't give everything to the Lord, and it's time that I stop that. It's time that I give everything to the Lord. And I pray that that would happen here today, here this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, these altars are open. One, two, three, go. Let's find a place to pray. If nothing else, you may want to come down and just say, thank you, God, for being the bread of life in my life. But let's find a place to pray. If you're here and you want to give your heart to Jesus, I'll be here with you and I can pray with you if you would like. But let's find a place to pray. You say, I need to give 100%. I keep holding this back. I, I, keep, eh, I need to give it all to Jesus. Let's find a place to pray. Thank you for those who have already come forward, for those who are coming. Rapidly moving closer to Jesus. 
and I thank you for it. Let's go into, let's everyone, whether you're here at your seat, let's go into a time of prayer, begin to talk to the Lord. Lord, we love you this morning. Praise you, God. Thank you for being the bread of life. The bread of life. sustain us in this life and in the life to come is only through you only through you Jesus and we say thank you thank you for offering this bread to us God thank you for offering your son without which we would have no chance at eternity. But God, thank you. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Only you can satisfy. Only you. Help us, Lord. Help us go this week, this month, the rest of our life, leaning on you, leaning on the everlasting arms. Hallelujah. Help us to lean on you, on our own understanding, God. Lead us and guide us, Lord. Sustain us. Sustain us. Lord, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord praise this morning? Thank you, Jesus.